Uh, very important thing right here. I got my ball of water, so I get a little dry. So, well, good morning, friends. It's great to be up here. And uh, so, what do you do at six in the morning on the day you preach your first sermon? Well, you pray. Check. Coffee. Check. Do my devotional. Check. Read texts from folks that you know who are praying for you. Check. Read the sermon again. Make notes like, add banter to the beginning of the sermon. Check. So, thank you so much for letting me be up here today. Uh, like I said, I'm not Dave. I won't be Dave. I'm not trying to try to be Dave. But what I want to do is I hope I can present the word to you all today and you see Jesus and you see our need for the gospel through this word. So the passage today, we're going to be hearing some of Jesus' parables. Uh, a parable is an indirect way of communicating that gets us to think about reality differently. So the parable today we're going to read about is there was a man who had two sons. Let's start at the beginning of Luke, chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes were saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. So Jesus goes on and tells two parables prior to us getting to one we're talking about. One parable was about a lost sheep and the other about a missing coin. And we'll touch on those briefly later on. But let's get into the main parable we're going to talk about. In verse 11, and then he, Jesus, said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he delivered his property, divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And, and he was longed to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But he came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hands hired hands have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called <clears throat> your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he went to his father but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. And the, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's eat and celebrate. 
For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who, devo- who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he, father, said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let us pray. Dear Father, you are with me right now. Thank you and comfort me. Holy Spirit, bring this word alive to our church. And finally, more of Christ and less of us. Amen. Okay, time for a little water. I'm going to leave the cap off. So, pretty well-known parable, right? Heard it from when we were kids. I can remember hearing it as a child and also hearing it in small groups, maybe a sermon or two or a homily. And uh, much like how God's story that we've been talking about in our church is presented as a two-part story, and it's really a four-part story, a lot of this parable is taught as a one-act parable, the prodigal son, right? Instead of a two-act parable, there was a man who had two sons, If we stop where the father embraces his returning son, we totally miss a critical point of emphasis that Christ is making to his audience that is made up of sinners, Pharisees, and people like us. Spoiler alert, both sons need the gospel. So, let's spend some time together going through this passage. Remember, Jesus intends for us to identify with the two sons in the story. So in the beginning of chapter 15, Jesus is is creating a buzz in the community because the sinners and tax collectors are coming in close to hear what he has to say. Well, as you can imagine, the Pharisees and holy people didn't like this one bit and were grumbling about it to one another. Maybe they were saying something like this. Not only does this Jesus talk with these sinners, he sits down and eats with them. That's blasphemy. Well, in the beginning of, well, (laughs) Jesus knows the Pharisee's heart. And so he begins to tell them these parables, right? And the first two parables uh, have some points that apply to the the third one we're going to study in depth. So let's go through a little bit about them. In the first parable, he tells about a shepherd 
who has 100 sheep, and one of them gets lost. You know, he doesn't go into detail about the sheep, so it's pretty safe to assume that the one that's missing is just like the other 99. And so, he, this shepherd cares so much about that one lost sheep that he leaves the 99 and sets out to find the lost one. When the lost sheep is found, the shepherd is so happy. He tells his friends and neighbors about his joy. And he, does not, he doesn't scold the sheep or beat the sheep for being missing. No, he celebrates the sheep, carries the sheep with love on his shoulders. And they go on to rejoice and celebrate their return. In the second parable, a woman has ten silver coins. They're all the same, I assume. And one coin goes missing. So, she searches intensely for that missing tenth coin. And when she finds it, she brings together her friends and neighbors to rejoice over the finding of what was lost. So, following those two stories, Jesus says to the group, there was a man who had two sons. And goes through the parable commonly known as the prodigal son. Remember, Jesus doesn't refer to this parable as a prodigal son. I'm not sure where that title came from, but it certainly was not from Jesus. Because both sons are essential to the truth told through this parable. So to recap, the younger son, let's call him Junior. He asks for his share of the family's property, and he takes off for a faraway land. Well, I'm not sure what kind of plan he had, but soon Junior has lost about everything he had in his inheritance uh, through reckless living. He ends up broke, working as a hired man feeding pigs. Just to let you know, pigs, in Jewish community, pigs are unclean. That would be something really, really terrible to have to do, right? I can imagine the Pharisees hearing this. This man's serving pigs, feeding pigs. And the Pharisees saying, ha, that serves that insolent boy right, doesn't it? He dishonors his father and family and runs away, and now he's feeding pigs. Good for him. So during this time, Junior, he longs for his father's estate. And he figures out the servants for his father are better off than he was feeding these pigs. So Junior hatches a plan to return home. He's going to apologize for his wrongdoing and ask to work as a servant for his father. So off he goes, the long journey back home. As Jesus continues the story, while the son is still a long way off, the father sees him. How would the father react? How would we react? I'm a father of two boys myself. I could see myself saying some of these very things that, are, that I'm contemplating. Junior, I told you not to run off. Why were you so wasteful with what you were given? You left your family responsibilities and did not honor me. Look what you put me and your brother through during this time. Well, some or all of these questions and statements would be accurate. 
and likely many of them would be deserved. The father in this story, who, who represents our heavenly father, does the following. The father runs to him. The father kisses and embraces him. The father hears the son's attempt at an apology, but does not dwell on it. The father clothes him in the finest things. The father initiates a huge celebration, calls for the fattened calf. Let's just rest upon the differences between those two reactions. Did you notice that in the, in the second group of responses, they are all actions by the Father? And each one of them is very unusual behavior for a patriarch of that time. And if you put them all together, it is truly radical. That's right. This Father in the story is radical in the sense that he is not operating within culture's man-made traditions and orthodoxy. Jesus is telling this parable to a group of people that includes the Pharisees. These are self-righteous men who view themselves as practically sinless. Their goal is to not sin every day. They even created more laws than was necessary so they can appear more holy than the commoners. The other group there were tax collectors and sinners. They likely lived outside the temple community. They were shady and thought of by, the, by, by people as being of low moral character. We are intended by Jesus to identify with these two groups. So how about a couple of questions to think about? How do you think the Pharisees would react to the father greeting Junior in the way that he did? Do you think that they would be upset that the son was not punished and they was treated to a feast after dishonoring his family? Certainly, at a minimum, they would think the father to be a fool to reward this type of behavior. Actually, later on in Luke chapter 16, after Jesus told a series of parables, the Pharisees actually ridiculed Jesus. Let that sink in. They're ridiculing the Son of God. So, how about the other group of people? What would, they, what would their reaction be? Maybe something like this. Is there really someone like the shepherd who cares about me individually? Is there someone like the woman who will perform an intense search if I'm lost? Or is there someone like the father whose first thought of me following a massive screw-up is he loves me? He loves me. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Truly radical. That makes a pretty nice parable, doesn't it? Happy ending. 
Let's put a bow on it. Thank you very much. Oh, there's, there's a second act. I'm sorry. I, I got ahead of myself. The story's not over. There's a second act. Remember, if you're like me for a long time, all I really hear about is Junior running away and coming back and being welcomed and loved, right? You don't hear much about the older brother. See that faithful older, there was a faithful older brother. I say faithful. Let's call him Senior. Well, Senior, he was having none of this, none of this joy and celebration talk. He was very angry and refused to join in. In verse 28, the father comes out from the party to presumably ask Senior to join the celebration. Well, Senior goes off saying something like this. While Junior was off enjoying wine, women, and song, who was working in the fields, making up for lost revenue? And by the way, honoring you, Father, in Senior's mind, He was the faithful son who honored their family with his dedication and service. And through all this time of sacrifice and hard work, the father never celebrated him nor let him have a celebration with his friends. Can you see the chip on his shoulder growing? But the father entreats him. He doesn't run away. The father comes towards him. Son, you have always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And that's the end of the story. It really is this time. And if it were a movie, <laughs> this is what my wife would say Is that the ending? What happens next? I can't believe we don't know the full end of the story. Well, much like the ending of Jonah, we are left with the word of God being spoken to folks who thought that their ways and plans were better than God's ways and plans. Think about it. We don't know if Jonah went on to serve God in new and exciting ways, or he just gave up and went home. Similarly, with Senior, we don't know if he forgave Junior and reconciled with his father or just went to a dark place and spiraled into bitterness and hate. Hopefully, these two open-ended conclusions of these stories will lead us to realize we need the gospel. So, how does this fit in with what we've been working on through Revelation? God's four-part story. Creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration. Let's look at that, that, this parable through that lens. Creation, created in God's image. In the beginning of the story, both sons are obvious, obviously have an inheritance that they are due. They are joint heirs to their father's estate. They are created in their father's image. Rebellion. Let's look at both brothers individually. Junior was wayward and disrespectful. He takes his portion of the inheritance and leaves the family and his responsibilities behind. 
he turns his back on his family and journeys to a faraway country. While there, Junior squanders his money and is forced to work feeding pigs, a job that would be considered unclean for Jews. Senior is self-righteous and prideful. In the second half of the story, we see his true motives. He stays and serves his family out of obligation and for personal gain, not out of love. He has a transactional relationship with his father, one based on mutual benefit, not love. And when he literally sees the love relationship that's displayed between the father and Junior, he can't handle it and explodes at the father. Redemption. Like salvation, redemption is a series of works by God in our lives. God's grace given to us through Christ's sacrifice. Our accepting and believing Christ's sacrifice on the cross paid for our sins. God declares us just and righteous through Christ. Again, let's look at both brothers. Junior has a choice. It seems like a clear-cut one. He can stay in the slop, or he can ask for forgiveness against heaven and his father and become part of the household again as a hired servant. But the father had a different plan. He fully forgives Junior and finds joy in his return, clothing him in the finest robes, shoes, and jewelry, just thus reestablishing him within the family. Junior needed God's grace to cover his waywardness. Senior needed God's grace to cover his self-righteousness and pride. The question is, did the sin of hate and pride prevent him from seeing it and experiencing redemption? Restoration. While full restoration will occur when we are with the Father in heaven and all things are made new, the restoration that is modeled in this story is the celebration of Junior's return to the family. So, in closing, a couple of things came to mind while I was preparing for this Sunday. First, how many times do we run from our Heavenly Father? like Junior and the sinners did. Second, how many times do we feel superior to others, like Senior and the Pharisees? We're like both brothers. In reality, when we run from God like Junior or a prideful like Senior, God is the one who pursues us and wants nothing more than to forgive us and embrace us. Both the sinner and the self-righteous need the gospel of Jesus, which is, He died on the cross, rose again to save his people from their sins. Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for this illustration of how much the Father loves us and pursues us. We'll ask that you help us remember this during the trials we face in the weeks ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.